Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Isn't that an awesome thing to look to the sun and see the image of love? And we're today looking into this uh, time of the relationship truths. And that's the essence of it, isn't it? Look to the sun and see the image of love. Thank you, Father. Thank you, team. Amen. We could all be seated. As I said before, we're looking at this uh, relationship series, uh, Relationship Truths, and today my message is called Choose This Day. And uh, if we all know where that comes from, that comes from uh, the, uh, Joshua as he's on his deathbed. He said, choose this day who you will serve, but for me and my house we will serve the Lord. And I think we, we've had that on our wall in our home for a long time. We have the second part, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But I think the first part is just as equally as important, which says, choose this day. And the thing about relationships is it's really a daily choice. You know, um, I remember marrying Ainsley nearly 31 years ago. I can remember standing there in my, um, with my mullet, my beard, wearing my uh, tuxedo and tails back in the day when it was fashionable. And, uh, and I saw her walking down the aisle and I was in awe and wonder. Literally, awe and wonder. Full of faith, full of hope and full of love. Just, you know, the, the, what the future had to hold. It was like nothing was unstoppable. However, you know, things happen, eh? The question I'm going to ask today is, when... Do we lose, or how do we lose the awe and the wonder? So we're going to just look at a few things, and I've done a few marriages over the over the years, and um, obviously most of the, the the number one marriage scripture would have to be First Corinthians thirteen verses four to eight. So we're going to have a quick look at First Corinthians thirteen, and we're just going to have a look about uh, what is the essence of me being able to live a life still in awe and wonder, because to me we're talking about marriage today, but to me, if we're living in that awe and wonder, everything else will fall into place. Sometimes we try to fix something, but sometimes we're coming from the wrong perspective. And we're trying to fix something that's going to be, take a lot of hard work, but if we can just change our heart and our perspective, we can change our world. And we read in, in 1 Corinthians 13, and if I speak of, in tongues of men and angels and have not love, I'm a noisy gong and a clangoring cymbal. We never preach that one usually at a wedding because we go straight to love is patient. But if I have prophetic powers and understand the mysteries and all the knowledge and have all faith so I can remove mountains but not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have and if I deliver up my body to be burnt but have not love, I gain nothing. What we see here is that if we do not have love, we are nothing. Because love is patient, love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It, is not, uh, it does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things, hopes all things, and endure all things. Now, these are great motherhood statements. These are great things to put in your fridge. These are great things to aspire to. But unless your perspective from the inside out 
does not reflect the love that Jesus has, then these will become tasks. This becomes a list of things that I try to achieve, but struggle to achieve. And it's a difference between doing what's right instead of being what's right. And I think that's the essence of being in good relationship, is in the being, not the doing. And so we look at love never ends. If we go to verse 13, it says, And so now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. And I, and I liken faith, hope, and love to the, what we call the tripod of life. That's your brain, your heart, and your lungs. When you're dead, you die because one of them stops. And then the other two stop. That's the essence of life. Your brain stops, your heart stops, or your lung stops. That's it. Then you're dead. What I see here is, is that we can be full of faith, full of hope, but not have love. We're dead. We're nothing. We can have no faith, have heaps of hope and lots of love, but still be dead. Because the essence of hope, of faith, is love. The outworking of faith is love. The outworking of hope is love. And so therefore we need to have all three operating in our life. And if you read the scriptures, and I did a bit of a Google, and uh, there's a number of scriptures that talk about faith, love, and hope. And we read in the first Thessalonians verse one, chapter th- uh, sorry, chapter one, verse three, and it says, "Remembering before God and Father our works of faith and the labour of love, and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brother, brothers loved by God, that you He has chosen you, because he, our gospel came." Not by words, but also by the power and in the Holy Spirit and in full conviction. You know what kind of man we prove to be amongst you for your sake. And what he's saying here is that we have, we have the works of faith, the labour of love and the steadfastness of hope. We also then read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8, And since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and the helmet of the hope of salvation. We read in Galatians 5, verse 5 and 6, For though the Spirit, sorry, but through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly await for the hope of righteousness. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision or non-circumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through, through love. So we see these three united together. It's almost like the triune God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's like, it's like um, uh, heart, lung and brain. God seems to work in this trinity of unity. And we need to have the trinity of unity of faith, love and hope in our lives if we want our relationships to be successful. And we see here, and if you ever want to read the Book of Romans, Book of Romans is a unique book because it's probably the only book that um, Paul wrote that wasn't to deal with issues. So a lot of people believe the Book of Romans is his, it's the theology of, his, of the belief Um, in Christ and we read in chapter 5 verse 1 therefore since we are justified by faith we have peace with God we have been justified by faith and now have peace with God in the Old Testament they used to call that shalom peace be with you or peace and what we have is we have a justification by faith which leads us to peace not to anxiety not to fear not to hurt not to issues but to peace And we see here it says, and through him we have also obtained access by faith to this grace 
in which you stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So not only are we justified by faith in our belief, we now have the hope in God of, our, of, of salvation. But then he goes on and he says, and this is the clink, the, 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 the clink to it all. Not only that we will rejoice in suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope that does not put us to shame because God's love has poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. What God doesn't promise us is that when he justifies us by faith, that we are not going to endure. Because he says, we're not, I'm, not going to, I'm not going to put you in a, a, stock, a sack of cotton wool. I'm not going to protect you. Because the world is the world. And you need to have a strength. I remember back when I joined the academy over 17 years ago, and I came out and my first day on the job was uh, 2 to 10 kabulcha on a Friday evening. Um, I'm standing there. I've, got, I'm, I've turned up an hour early. I've got my gun on. I've got my kit on. I'm ready to go. I'm eager as it, you know, I'm eager. I've got my bag. I'm just waiting for my field training officer to turn up. I haven't met him yet. And this guy just runs out and he goes, are you Walsh? And I said, yes. He said, with me. And we're running to the car. And the next thing I know, we're at this violent domestic and, and we're doing crash tackles and we're handcuffing. This is day one, you know, first five minutes. I only just got my badge. And I went home and that was the highlight of the day because it just went downhill from there. And I went home and I said to Ainsley, wow, <laughs> that was intense. But go 17 years later, after many of those incidences and many of other issues and many other things that I've encountered, those things no longer cause me fear. Those things I have developed in my endurance character and in character skill to develop a life where now policing... Um, I'll be ringing Ainsley on a way to a code too just to answer one of her questions because I am not anxious because I have confidence and faith in who I am. So let's have a look at this for a second. This is going to be a bit of a whirlwind because, as you can see, I've um, done up a doc matrix. Okay, faith. The interesting thing about faith is about our past. Not just our past, but the past of history. Where we get our faith from is reading the scriptures, seeing the great things that, the world, that God has done in the world, in the Old Testament and the New, a God that has never forsaken those who follow him. The, the God who died on, Jesus who died on a cross but rose from the dead. From the past, we can now have faith. From that faith, we now have hope. Hope is about our future. And the things we're looking at for hope is it tells us about our story, is our faith, but it tells us about our future, where we can dream about the things yet to come. We can have a vision of the future because we have had a confidence in our past, which is our faith. We see here that it produces awe and wonder is when we live in hope. Because we live in the awe and wonder of a God who created the heavens and the earth, a God that sent his son, a God that raised his son from the dead. We live in awe and wonder. And we live in the beauty and the glory, even though we know that at times we have trials and tribulations. Now, I was um, watching um, YouTube the other day and there was a story about a donkey. He had fallen in a well, right? And uh, has anyone heard this one? No. Fallen into a well. And he's at the bottom of the well, and the farmer goes, I don't know how to get him out. 
so I'm going to bury him. No, he didn't say that. He said, I'm going to throw dirt on him and he's going to, he's going to, he's, it's going to save him. And the poor old donkey's at the bottom going, what is this clown doing? Throwing, he's trying to bury me. He is absolutely trying to bury me. So he'd shake off the dust and then he would step onto the inch by inch until he was out. What he thought was a guy trying to bury him was a person who was trying to save him. Sometimes we're in a well of life. And sometimes when the dirt gets thrown on us, we think that that's a negative. Shake it off, step on it, and get out of the well. Because God has got a plan for you. But God's not like any father who sits there and goes, I am going to modicolor you. And so when you're an adult, you still suck your thumb, you still lay in the fetal position, and you still dribble. No, because he wants us to be grown adults. He doesn't want a police officer who still is fearful 17 years later... He wants a police officer who is fully functional, being able to operate with the skills that they have been taught. That is the faith and the hope that we have because we have the love of God. And his love is, when you know you've got love, is when you just want to give and give and give. Because when you're in love, you give. It's just a natural byproduct of love. You'd be willing to bleed for something, to birth something, have a challenge on something, to forgive freely, to be steadfast. Your awareness of your own failures, but you don't look at the failures of others. We read that in 1 Corinthians where it says it holds no wrongs. We don't heap uh, coals of burning fire on our enemies, but we love our enemies and we support our enemies. But the interesting thing is to understand what they really mean, faith, hope and love, is we often have to look at what is the opposite. I often find when you know what the opposite is, that helps to inform you what the other one is. So what is the opposite? The opposite to faith is fear. And, 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 the, and Satan, he's really, he just wants us to have fear. Because the more fear we have, the less faith we have. <coughs> These are mutually connected. No fear, lots of faith. No faith, lots of fear. We often have a sense of betrayal in our life. That's when we start to fear things. We can't trust people. We question our own story. Is really God on my side? Has he forsaken me? Am I living within my shame? It's almost a refusal then to get support from others. You know that you're in fear is, I'm on my own. I'm by myself. I have no hope. I am fearful of, because it's my past that now I read the story of the lies. And that was in our first song we sung, I will not listen to the lies. Because the evil one will tell you about the lies or he will twist the past so that he changes your story so that you then become fearful of the future. The interesting thing is it reverses now. It's because we're not fearful of our past. Our past defines us but makes us fearful of our future. Faith is about understanding our past to give us the hope for our future. But now we see the reverse occurs. It's interesting because Jesus says the enemy comes to rob, kill and destroy. And I say he robs us of our faith and replaces it with our fear. But then we look at hope. I've I've tried to be creative here, so I'm using the same letters. (laughs) But you can put whatever word you want to it. But the opposite to hope is living with hurt. Okay, you can put any other word to it. You could put um, powerlessness, disillusionment, whatever, but for me it was hurt, only because it had a H in it. And the enemy comes to kill our hope. 
He robs our faith, he kills our hope and replaces it with us, our hurt. Where we live in this world today, where we just, we're just a bunch of victims. I can tell you now, if you're not in the 1%, as I call them, right, you don't have a voice anymore because the moment you turn around and say something, you'll be seen as racist, sexist, feminist, no, not feminist, that's, that's one of those minority groups. Uh, but, you know, you, you get criticised for anything that you say because you don't have a voice because you're not a victim. You know what I mean? You've got to be black to know and understand what a black person's going through. Okay, and I get all that. But what I'm trying to say is our world is so fixated on political correctness is that we celebrate the victim, not the victor. When we have hope, we live in victory. When we have hurt, we live as a victim. We can only see disappointment and powerlessness. The power comes from our indifference. You know, I don't need nobody. I'm on my own. It's all bad. It's going to always be bad. I can't do anything about it. Church can't help me. No one can help me. And we live in this big... And I see this every day as a policeman. Oh, it's just soul-destroying sometimes. You just go... I was uh, with, a, with a guy the other day, it was an ambo, and I just said, how do you survive it? And he goes, it's changed, hasn't it? It was at my, at my idea. And I said, no, in 17, I've only spent a policeman 17 years. In 17 years, the policing world that I police today is fundamentally different to the one it was 17 years ago. We have better communications by social media. We have better um, access to information like nothing before, yet we live in a world full of fear, just go and try and find toilet paper. Grab that toilet paper before somebody else grabs it. End up, you know, we had to taser somebody the other day because of a toilet paper incident. I mean, how insane is that? That's fear. But then we also live in hurt where people bottle themselves up and lock themselves up in their, their room and become addicted. They become addicted to their victimis, a victimisation. They're closed off to the future. There is no hope. And I would say in a world today, we are a world full of fear and without hope. And the last one is love, the opposite to love is? No, it's got to start with L. Lust. <laughs> Jesus, sorry, the enemy comes to rob our faith, kill our hope, but to destroy our love. And he replaces it with uh, lust. Lust is usually a failure of love. Uh, we see that um, we, we often don't realise what our purpose is anymore. When we don't have a purpose because we've lost our, our hope, we don't understand what our role is anymore. You know, I see that the challenge today is the role of uh, the father in relationships. Um, it was interesting, I was listening to uh, Candace Owens, who's a black uh, a black act, act, activist in support of Donald Trump, which is pretty reasonably rare. Uh, and she was saying that Donald Trump has done more for blacks in his three years as president because he has seen that the need is to celebrate the male in the house. And he said that's, that's the fundamental problem. He's putting more men back at home and trying to fix that um, single mother um, lifestyle. But the enemy wants us to, to be full of lust because lust is really selfishness. It's becoming self-absorbed. You just have to see the fact that the lady had five or six containers of toilet paper and this little old lady was trying to get a small pack 
and they're having a fight over it because she didn't have enough. And she said, I only want one. And this is the selfishness and the lust that we have in our world today. And the question I have is, is that uh, with that comes addiction. We see, you know, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, sexual addictions, all the different type of addictions that there are. It's because usually it's because we've lost love somewhere and we're replacing it with a short-term fix. And we often want to change our lifestyle to a short-term fix. But the story doesn't end there. Because we become people depending on which way we choose. Choose this day. If you want to be full of fear, you really become an orphan to your past. And we're all orphans. Whether we like it or not, we've been orphans at some stage in our life. Jesus came into our life and adopted us into the family of God. We're adopted sons and daughters of the living God, brothers and sisters to Jesus Christ. We're adopted. The interesting thing about adoption is some people will embrace adoption and say, I am as if I am a son and daughter. I am. Others will say <coughs> they couldn't have any kids. They'll, uh, they just picked me from random. Uh, you know, um, they didn't really ever love me. They just needed to fulfill their own lifestyle. And that child will feel not protected, will set them up for victimisation. They'll lose the provision that leads to resource grabbing. We become on our own. We need our own saviour. You know, we look to ourselves. We're reluctant to connect as people. Uh, we want to be on our own because we feel that it's with our, in our own, we can live with the fear that we have <coughs> in the hope that we develop a faith within ourselves. That is what an orphan does. It tends to lead to bitterness and a refusal to accept health and support. You know, you know, you, you know that you, you could be one of those is when you say, I don't need this. You know, often that's a question I ask is, what is church to you? And if church is just a place where we come to get our fill, maybe, maybe we might be an orphan. But church should be where we come to celebrate the family of God as brothers and sisters in the household of faith. When we look at hope, the opposite to hope is hurt. When we get hurt, we become strangers because we'll isolate ourselves. We become indifferent. We see hope as foolishness. It leads us to anger, bitterness, want to seek revenge. You know, I see this. I, I can't believe the number of people I go to and someone's offended them and they want blood absolute blood and you just go I feel like sometimes I, I work at school, you know, in a primary school where two kids are fighting over something stupid and I go people, can't we just find some common ground? No, because they have become so much of a stranger to their, our world they just want vengeance like anything else you see that often where we have to have someone to blame for something that happens you know Someone does something bad, who do they blame? They usually blame the fact that the, the government didn't do enough. You know? I think about the fires, people who lived in that way out, outback town, right on the, on the beach, going, if we were in Sydney, we would have had all of this. Well, if you lived in Sydney, yes. But you chose to live in some remote community 
right? Hello. But everyone goes, you know, we demand. And this is what happens when we become strangers is because we, we disassociate ourselves with the re- reality of the world. And we separate ourselves often from God. And when we come to love, the opposite of love is, is lust. And usually then we become widowed. And it's when we, we have a failed love, we become widowed. Or we may never have known what love actually is. And we may become single, single or widowed. <coughs> I picked widowed only because it's the obvious one. But single, a spinster or, or a widow. I'm sorry about picking female names, but I don't know what the opposite. Bachelor. Yeah, bachelor and um, widower. But we see here that we, we want our desires met. And we can't get it from love. So we get it from the need that we have that's burning inside us or the want and desire. And we will fill it with whatever it takes to get that. And that could be, we could be addicted to Facebook or Instagram. We could be addicted to um, uh, all sorts of things that are in our community uh, that are not productive. And we see here that we, we, we are left to our own needs for our own pleasure, which kills the desire by momentary pleasure, but not the pleasure that God had created us for. And we see here, it will cost us often our faith. Our lust will often cost us our faith. But, you know, that's the negative side. But the positive side is, is that if we were to operate, so we can be an orphan, a stranger or a widow, but if we really want to celebrate life and have the awe and wonder of seeing Ainsley walk down the aisle as I stood there and went, and I think it's still on video, <laughs> awe and wonder. And Jesus didn't go and die on the cross for us to not have awe and wonder. He didn't have, want us to be filled with fear, hurt and lust, to be orphans, strangers and widows, but he destined us to be. And if we look at the faith as being the past... He wanted us to be like priests. Priests and pastors, what do they tend to do? They want to get to know your story, where you've been, what's happening in your life, so that they can then draw an analogy of God's great power and his testimony and the things that we read in scripture to bring meaning to what you've been through in order to move you to the next step. So he wants us to be priests. It orientates our story. We hear and we speak truth. It helps the community to look back and see the themes present in the story. So he wants us to be priests. Can anyone pick what's the next one? Prophet. <laughs> prophet is, with, with, is where we have hope. Because the thing about a prophet was they incited, they provoked, they intensified desire of God's will. They called what could be. They called people to repentance. They created a vision for the future and to expose the reality of the present. And they speak hope and they draw passion. He wants us to be prophets in our life. And the last one is, does anyone know what the last one is? King, yes, good answer. (laughs) When we have love, he wants us to be king. But the thing about a king is this. The king is our, the love is about our present. And a king is only a king for the present. 
because to deal with the issues of the present, they set boundaries, for example, they, they find order, they orientate movements towards what has been exposed by the prophet and the priest. They stand defiant and say no when there needs to be a no. They, they are servants of, God, of glory. They give safe context to dreams and, to, and, and, and make them come to fruition. And the king will ask you to take a hard decision. When we blend these together, what we see is he wants us to be a priest, a prophet and a king in order to show our faith, our hope and our love. I've just got a little um, diagram for you. I hope you can read it. I tried to make it. I didn't have A2, I only had A3. I'll get you here, Ainsley. Yeah, hold that one for me. Okay. The interesting thing is this. And I put it on the left, my left, okay, because bad's always on the left, good's always on the right, that's why they call it right, okay. But what we see here is, is that we live between both, okay. We can live between being an orphan and being a priest, but we choose where we stand. Because I can tell you the natural gravitation of the earth of the fallen man is for us to draw to the orphan status. But we have to press forward, as it says in Paul, says, I press forward to the mark to know the high calling of Jesus. I press forward, I work towards being a priest. We could be a stranger when it comes to our hope, but he wants us to be a prophet. Again, we must press forward. We must choose this day which one we will follow. Which one are we working towards? Well, you actually don't have to work towards any of those ones because they just naturally happen. It's like, uh, it's like gravity. But if you want to work forward to something, you have to push forward to this ideal of being a priest, a prophet, and a king. When it comes to our love, we can be a widow who mourns and grieves the loss of love, be full of lust for immediate attention or we can press forward to the mark and choose this day to be a king, to establish boundaries, to establish order, to establish our lives, to make non-negotiables. If we go to the last scripture um, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. It says, wives, submit unto your husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and himself its saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so wives also submit everything to your husband. But what I want to do is I want to focus on the husbands today. Okay? And, and, and I'll, I'll do that first. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, that's a really tough sentence. You know what I mean? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And he is might, uh, uh, that he might sanctify her by washing her with the water of the word so that he may present the church to himself in splendor without spot or blemish or any such thing that she may be bold and without blemish. Oh, sorry, holy without blemish. 
What he's saying here is, is that we need to be a king. And when I say king, I mean queens as well, okay, just for the um, gender Pacific and priestesses and, you know, we live in a politically correct world. But um, the scriptures only name those ones, so that's the only reason why I nicked them. But um, if we want to live a justified, thriving life as a husband, we need to seek how we can be full of faith understanding the past. And if we don't understand the past, that's why reading the word is so important. That's why coming to church is so important. That's why fellowshipping with other people in connect groups is so important. Because in doing so, we get to understand what our faith is. So therefore, we can then dream dreams, have passions, have drive to see a future that God has called us to, a destiny and a purpose. And in that, we will see the love that flows that does not have understanding, that is not selfish. It's the same thing as it's not rude, it does not hold account. As we read in 1 Corinthians 13, those things will naturally flow. I can tell you when I am, when I am a widow to Ainsley, it's because of my selfishness, my opinionation, which I often repent from. <laughs> But I desire to be a king because we are trapped between the two. So we may be great on two, but lousy on one. But to have the sense of awe and wonder, we need to be balanced in three. We need to be pushing to the mark of those three endeavours. And when we do that, we will then have hope, faith and love that abide forever. And the greatest of these is love because love is the outworking of faith and hope done in correct order. <coughs> what he says is if you're not lifting up in splendour the people that are so important to you that's your wife and your children then you fail to love them correctly you need to speak with them and, you know he talks about males being mugs as in the mug uh, and women being fine china why is that? men? does anyone know why he calls us a mug and he calls them fine china? Well, this is 101 Walsh, I think. But a mug, you want to see my army mug that I got 27 years ago that I've used to dig my trench with, <laughs> my Cups canteen. Um, it's bashed. It's, you know, I just disinfect it, wash it out. Oh, I don't really disinfect it. I just wash it out. Um, but we're designed to take that weight. But we can crush our wife by our... Fear, our hurt and our lust. We can really crush them. It's not saying that they're weaker. It's just that what we can do to them is make them full of resentment and bitterness. And we can end up making them full of fear, hurt and lust. We can set the scene. And then wives, it says you honour husbands. But honouring a husband is to have hope for a future. A faith. And, um, and to love and hopefully he'll get it you know um, took me a while to get it, took me 15 years to understand it, and I'm still 15 years later still trying to understand it but you know, as I say, none of us are here, because if we were here we'd be like Jesus who is our prophet, our priest, prophet and king but he wants us to be like him, or as close as we can be to him but he, doesn't, he definitely doesn't want us down here full of fear, full of uh, hurt and full of lust. You know, this is the way of the world. 
He wants us pushing to the mark of our high calling as the worship team comes up. Pushing to our high calling. And it's in that we will then live in awe and wonder. Okay, because I can tell you now, when you, get, when you train, and if you see it as training, okay, and I, I, I've done 27 years with the army and all I've done is training. In police, I do a little bit of training, but a lot of actual, right? And it's in the actual, it's in the living, it's in the challenge, it's in the, it's in the trial, uh, it's in the shocking things that I've seen dealing with PTS. I don't have D, I just have PTS, post-traumatic stress. But it's dealing with that and having confidence in that that has made me the capable police officer I am today. Look at your walk today and ask the question, have you been treadwatering around that end and can I press towards the mark and how can I achieve that? Part of that is why we're doing the discovery course and the empower course. It's why we encourage to come to connect group. It's why we encourage you to gather around other people of like minds is so that not just so that we feel good as pastors and then we can tick a box and say, yeah, look at our stats. It's because we want to see people's lives transformed. And the only way we're going to get transformed is as we embrace the journey of our faith. Lift her up in splendour. And I can tell you, husbands, if we lift our wife up in splendour, giving her every opportunity and encouragement to be everything she is meant to be in the purposes of Christ, I can tell you now she'll sing like a canary. And you will have more honour than you could poke a stick at. Question, this is a, I know this is, a, I know this is a, we live in a political correct world, we're all equal, but I don't actually believe that. Um, I can tell you this, my experience, if husbands tender their wives, they will get the respect they so greatly need. It's a fact. Challenge me. Challenge me on that. Lift her up in splendour and wonder. Not in worship. Sometimes she needs to be corrected. Very minimally. But, <laughs> but sometimes, you know, you, that's what a king does. A king brings boundaries and brings love and support. A good king does. And lift her up so that she can be everything she is meant to be. And you will have the honour that you so greatly need as we stand. Faith, love, hope is to replace our fear, our hurt and our lust. Because the enemy comes to rob, kill and destroy, to make us widows, or strangers and orphans instead of being a prophet, priest and king. Today's a day you can say, I, I choose this day to extend the borders of my tent, not to dwell where I've been dwelling, but to move to where I need to be. You may not have the answers. You may not know how it's to be done, but that's okay. Because the goal is just move in the right direction. Keep coming to church, get connected. Start reading your Bible, start praying, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, your life will be transformed. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. For more life-changing messages, visit us online at c3noosa.org. 
If you've been blessed by this message, please consider partnering with us financially to see the work of God continue flourishing in and through C3 Church Noosa. God bless.